There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. A turning point is defined in Webster's Dictionary as a point at which a significant change occurs. Today we are going to look at the turning point in one of the greatest men in history, a man that was greatly used by God to fulfill his purpose. You are listening to Preach the Word with Dean Carmichael Jr. And sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Welcome to Preach the Word with Brother Dean Carmichael of Greensboro. And now let's welcome our dear friend, Brother Dean. All right, friends, we're back here in the book of Genesis. We've been going through the story of Jacob, the four great people of the Bible, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then we will hit Joseph. Now, we have been on Jacob for a while now. Last episode, we talked about how you can really make your life count for God. And we, although we used the story of Jacob and we looked at his life and how he made his life count, it was still more of a survey of his life. It was more of a summary. So this week, we're going to look just real quick before we move on to Joseph. We're going to look a little bit more into the life of Jacob and we're going to dive just a little deeper. So here in Genesis chapter number 32, and we're in verse 24 through 30, and these are very familiar verses to you, I'm sure. If not, definitely need to be. These are some of the, in, in my opinion, some of the greatest verses in all the Bible, and also some of the most important in the Pentateuch. Here in Genesis 32, let me read verse 24 through 30. And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God, and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him, and said, Tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God, face to face, and my life is preserved. Now, the title of the message is Jacob's Turning Point. Jacob's Turning Point. And again, a turning point is a point at which a significant change occurs, according to the Webster Dictionary. There is a wrestling match that happens to be the turning point of Jacob's life. Now, the name Jacob means heel catcher, deceitful, and clever. He was the son of Isaac, the grandson of Abraham, the father of Joseph. He inherited Abraham's blessing 
becomes the father of the twelve tribes of Israel. In this passage, we see his surrender to God, the peak of his life, his turning point. That name Peniel means the face of God. Him and his family are leaving Haran and they're going to Bethel. This can be dated at around 1906 BC. After Jacob leaves his uncle Laban and before he's reunited with his brother Esau, uh, Joseph was actually very little at this time. Benjamin had not been born yet. He was told to return to Bethel by the Lord in a dream in Genesis 31. God has a plan for Jacob. His 11 sons, it was not in Haran, it was in Bethel. Now, Bethel is a very important place in the life of Jacob. So God is calling him back. In your Bible study, when you look at the life of Jacob, you've got to mark the place of of Bethel. That's a very important place in Jacob's life. Now let's look at a couple things by way of introduction here. First we see Jacob's backsliding. Now this is very important. In Genesis chapter number 25, verse 19 through 26, pay close attention to this here. Genesis 25, verse 19 through 26. And these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son, Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac was forty years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian, of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife, because she was barren, and the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah his wife conceived. And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. Jacob was God's representative. God made a promise to Abraham that he would be the father of a nation confirmed it with Isaac, and then confirms it with Jacob, the chosen line that would lead directly to Christ. You've got to understand this. God promised it. Now, go back a couple podcasts, look at the episode titled When We Do Things Our Way, you will see that although God promised the family of Isaac and Rebekah that the younger, excuse me, the older shall serve the younger, that he confirmed it through Jacob, they would still do things their way, and it would actually leave their home in heartbreak and, and in ruin. So, the younger of the two, he's a, he has a twin brother named Esau. They wrestled in the, in the womb. Jacob was definitely a wrestler by trade here. Obviously, he wrestles with his brother. He wrestles with the Lord Jesus there. Esau, his brother, was red, earthy. He was a man's man. He was Isaac's favorite. In modern day, he'd be your all-American boy. He was very physical, athletic. He's the kid that the dad is taking out to the ball field however many times a week and constantly trying to get scouts in front of him. And he's, he's your, your, your athlete. He's, he's being um, put up as something great. In the eyes of man, he's, he's complete. Jacob was a mama's boy. He, he did what his mommy told him to do. Very deceitful and clever little fella. 
He took his brother's birthright in Genesis chapter number 25 and verse number 27 through 34. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. Remember, he's a man's man here. I'm interrupting myself there, but this is Isaac's favorite, Esau. And Jacob was a plain man, dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau, because he did eat of his venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he sware unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink, and rose up, and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Stay with me here. I know I'm doing a lot of reading during this sermon, but to really grasp the life of Jacob and, and to, to learn with the time that we got, it's important that we reference these scriptures. Now, a birthright is one, the one who had it was the head of the home, who also would be the line to Christ, the, the priest of the family. Jacob had a hold of Esau's heel when they were born. He was constantly trying to get that position of the older brother. Esau could care less about the birthright. He didn't care about being the spiritual leader of the home. He was red. He was earthy. Esau represents the flesh. He acted as if he was going to starve to death. This is not true. And you've heard me say this before if, if, you're, normal, if you're a normal listener to the podcast. But even when you look at this story and you look at the context of this story, who is Esau? Esau is the son of Isaac, the grandson of Abraham. What did God promise to Abraham? Friend, a boy out of the house of Abraham is not going to starve to death. He just wanted his way. He wanted it right then and there. He wanted instant gratification. Does that sound familiar? Sure it does. It's your flesh. Esau represents the world. He represents the flesh, the earthy man. God had already promised Rebekah that Esau would serve Jacob. The elder shall serve the younger. Instead of waiting on God, Jacob wants to do it his way, the tricky and deceitful way. Friend, let's be very clear on something here. Very clear on something. It is never God's will that we sin. Let's be... Let's not look at this and say, yes, God, God is letting them know that it's his will, and because it's his will, it's okay for Jacob to be deceitful and, and, and lie about it because Isaac chose Esau. So, you know, it's God's will, so Jacob has to do what he has to do. Not at all. It is never God's will that we sin. God tells them that the elder shall serve the younger, just like he gives us commandments in his word. And we are to be obedient. We are to be patient. We are to be humble. We are to be submissive and yield to his word. We're not to take matters into our own hands and get things done uh, however we see fit. And that's exactly what Jacob's doing here. It's deceitful. It's never God's will for, for us to sin. It's never God's will for us to be deceitful and, and lie and be clever like that. That is of the devil. Remember, Satan is not a creator. He's a counterfeiter. 
He can only take what God has already created and corrupt it and turn it into something awful. This is not of God here. Lying and being deceitful and and betraying people and, and causing envying and strife and turmoil and hate and all of this in the house of Abraham, friend, that's not of God. That's of straight out of the devil. Please understand that. It is never God's will that, that we sin. So you, you, not only does Jacob take his brother's birthright, he also takes his brother's blessing over here in Genesis chapter number 27. Now this is when Jacob really gets deceitful and cunning. Isaac requests that Esau would go make him some venison so he could bless him. And the blessing that Isaac received had to be passed on, so he wants to pass it down to Esau. That's his choice. Instead, he passes it on to Jacob, who's dressed like Esau. Rebekah literally takes her son, dresses him up like her other son, so they can trick her own husband. Friend, remember something here. Rebekah is a type of the church. I know I keep referencing other podcast episodes, and I hope you follow the show. I hope you listen regularly. I pray that God would bless this. If you look back a couple episodes ago to an episode called Here Comes the Bride, it is talking about the story of Isaac and Rebekah, how Abraham is a type of the father, the servant there, Eliezer, who actually does not go by his name. He's unnamed in this story because he is a type of the Holy Spirit of God. Remember, the Holy Spirit does not speak of himself. He goes out to try to find his master, the Abraham, a his son, a bride. He goes out to try to do that. Well, all that is is a type of the Holy Spirit going out and and telling the world what Jesus Christ did, convicting and trying to find that bride of Christ. Isaac is a type of Jesus Christ, and Rebekah is a type of the church. And now here you have a woman who is a type of the church being deceitful and lying openly to her husband. Friends, this is a shame. Something is missing here. God's already promised this to Jacob. In the life of Jacob, as the home of Isaac, you will find there's a lot of unnecessary sin. There's trickery. There is bargaining, heartache, deceit. And all of this is unnecessary. It is almost scary applying this to our modern day, how willing we are to accept that there are going to be problems within the church. Now, I understand. I understand. I know that there is, a, there is warfare going on. I understand that. Uh, a person is saved. They are indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God. We're declared righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. But there are still those two, that old nature. There's now that we are created. We're a new creature in Christ. But we are still in this flesh, and we are still suspect to sin. I understand that. We are still going to be tempted with sin and tested and tried. If we do not yield to the Holy Spirit of God, by default, we are submitting ourselves to the flesh. And in, in fact, in this story, Jacob and Esau are types. Um, excuse me. Jacob himself is a type of the two natures. Um, Esau is a good type of the flesh as well, but Jacob himself, he is a type of the two natures of the, the Christian in, in the church age. Now, 
when we look at our church today, when we look at our churches, it is almost scary and it is sad and it is heartbreaking that we are just willing to accept the fact that, yeah, there's going to be envy and strife. Yeah, there's going to be gossiping and there's going to be betraying and you're going to have this group against that group and you're going to have people that disrespect the pastor and where there's people, there's problems and we just accept that. Friends, we got to understand something. That's not of God. If envy and strife has crept into your Christian home, God did not put that there. If envy and strife and backsliding and warfare is in your church, I'm not talking about at your job. I'm not talking about, unless of course you work at church, but I'm not talking about your public job. I'm not talking about out in the world where the prince, the power in the air has such a strong influence on them. I'm talking about in a church where a group, a body of justified believers declared righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ and simply just saying, oh, well, those things happen. There's no such thing as a perfect church. Any church you go to is going to be problems. Friend, you need to identify that problem. You need to get it out of your church. Dad, husband, mom, wife, if there's something in your home right now that is there that shouldn't be there, you need to go before an almighty God and you need to you need to repent and get that thing out of your home. And you need to care about, if you have children, you need to think about their eternity and think about what it's going to do to them. Friends, we need to get serious about this sin problem. And we need to stop just accepting the fact that there's going to be problems. And if there's division in our church, let those folks know, hey, you either repent or you get out. You have no place in this church causing up all this trouble. You say, oh, preacher, but that's very harsh, and there's a lot of politics with, with pastor, and all oh, this. You, you just don't understand. You, you get rid of one family, you might make other people mad. So I understand that, friend, but we have got to take this sin problem more seriously. This is all unnecessary. You look at the house of Abraham. There is lying, there is trickery, there is deceit. I know I sound like a broken record here, but if that is in your church, if that is what's going on in your Christian home right now, you need to go before an almighty God, ask him to, to show you in your heart what you need to get right, and then as a spiritual leader, wherever it may be, ask God to give you the strength to do what you need to do. Take his word and stand on it. I tell you, uh, this is just a very, very scary topic to talk about how how well we are just willing to accept the fact that there are um, envying and strife in our church. That's a cancer that's going to spread around in your church if you don't get rid of it quick. And it's going to spread around and it's going gonna, it's gonna to dry that thing up really quickly here. So we're looking at Jacob. We're looking at how not only he took his brother's birthright, but he also took his brother's blessing. And we're talking about how there was a lot of unnecessary heartache. Now, Jacob has deceived his father. He's dressed up like his brother. He's stolen his blessing. Now Esau finds out about this. He's very angry. He wants to avenge what has happened. And now um, he's going to... He's going to have to, uh, he's, he's looking for, for Jacob. So Rebekah tells Jacob to leave. The uh, Bible says a few days until thy brother's fury turn away. This turns into 20 years. Rebekah will never see her son again. This is what happens when we do things our way. 
This is what happens when we take something that God has promised us, and in order to get there, we take matters into our own hands and do things the way we think they should be done. Rebecca tells her son to go to her brother, Laban, who represents the world, by the way. He's a type of the world. She sends Jacob to her brother Laban, probably where she learned all this trickery and deceit from to begin with, for a few days until Esau can cool down, and that's it. He's gone. This is a 20-year journey. We now come to Jacob's salvation here at Genesis chapter number 28. Now again, I understand I'm reading a lot here, but bear with me. This is a Bible study. We want to learn about the life of Jacob. So this is very important. When you're looking at the life of Jacob, as mentioned earlier, you've got to put a star, you've got to pinpoint this place, Bethel. Here in Genesis 28, I'm going to read verse 13 through 16. Please read along with me or listen. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham. Let me actually back up here. Um, Genesis 28, let's look at verse number 11. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night, because the sun was set, and he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the, angel of, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in thee, and in thy seed, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. Now, very important we understand something. This is the Abrahamic covenant confirmed. Jacob dreams a dream. There's a ladder going to heaven with angels ascending and descending. The Lord is at the top. This is the place of Jacob's salvation. Up to this point, there was greed, there was selfishness. Now, Jacob is a changed man. He's given his heart to God. However, he does not always live for him as he should. So he continues on his journey. He arrives at Haran and meets Laban's two daughters, Rachel and Leah. Rachel was very beautiful. She was well desired. She was loved by Jacob. And uh, Leah was, the Bible says, she was tender-eyed. She, she was not beautiful. And Jacob served for Rachel, but he was tricked. He served seven years for Rachel. Ends up, Laban uses deceit and tricks Jacob. He ends up marrying Leah. Something to understand here. The first sin is recorded in the Bible. That doesn't mean God agrees with it. It's not. It happened. It was not inspired by God for someone to sin. But the words that record that sin are inspired by the Holy Spirit of God to be recorded. Just because polygamy is in the Bible does not mean that God agrees with it. 
Marriage and holy matrimony was designed for a man and a woman. Sex was designed by God for a man and a woman to multiply and also to enjoy in the bonds of holy matrimony. Not not multiple wives, not multiple partners, not multiple people. Again, as I mentioned earlier, Satan cannot create, he can only counterfeit. This is what happens when the devil gets in and starts starts working. So now Jacob has met his match. He was doing great in the house of Abraham, wasn't he? Boy, he was the he was the top trickster. He was the top, he was the chief liar there. He can get get away with just about anything. But now He's gone out into the real world. Now, not only has he had his salvation at Bethel, now not only has he put his faith in God, but now he's got one foot in the world, he's also trying to do God's will, and he is standing in front of Laban, who is no match for him. Laban, but you, you think Jacob was a good deceiver? Look at Uncle Laban. Un- Uncle Laban, he, they, there, there's no match. That's what happens, child of God. That's what happens when you get out in the world. Right now in your Christian home, you might be able to use that deceit and that trickery. And, and at your church, oh boy, you, you could turn things upside down at your church and, and, and sow discord and have uh, some gossip sessions and do all those things. You get out in the world and you start messing with people who uh, don't want God and people who don't have anything to do with church. You start messing with them, you've met your match. You are no match for the devil. You are no match for Satan. Friends, you are no match for this world. As a child of God, yes, there may be envy and strife, but we can get that thing settled pretty quickly. As two people who've been declared righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ, and we really sit down and talk about this thing and and let God speak to us and come open-minded in prayer, we can get that thing settled pretty quickly. But let's understand something. We ain't no match for the world. Okay, we're no match for Satan. We're no match for the prince of the power of this air uh, of the world, prince of the power of the air, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. We are no match whatsoever. And Jacob finds this out very quickly. He is no match for his uncle Laban. Jacob, first of all, we looked at his backsliding. Now we're going to look at Jacob's burden. We're not going to read all these verses, but Genesis thirty-one through thirty-two, he is told of God to leave. He's accused of his uncle for stealing. There's many family problems. In fact, one of his wives steals a a false idol from her dad. His uncle is now behind him. His angry brother is ahead of him. And he cries out to God for mercy and he pleads and he begs. So what does he do? Genesis chapter number 32. And let's look at verse number 17. Jacob is asking for mercy here. What does the Bible tell us? And he commanded the foremost, saying, When Esau, my brother, meeteth thee, and asketh thee, saying, Whose art thou, and whither goest thou, and whose are these before thee? Then thou shalt say, They be thy servant Jacob's. It is a present sent unto my lord Esau, and behold, also he is behind us. And so commanded he that the second and the third and all that followed the droves, saying, On this manner shall ye speak unto Esau when ye find him. And say, Moreover, Behold, thy servant Jacob is behind us. For he he said, I will appease him with the present that goeth before me, and afterward I will see his face, peradventure 
he will accept of me. So what does he do? He goes right back to his old ways. Let's butter up Esau. Let's bribe him with hundreds of animals. Let's let's bribe him with our stocks. Let's 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 use our old cunning ways that got us in trouble and just get just get deeper and deeper in more trouble. If we're not careful, we will bring our burdens before God and still try to do things our way. Friends, bringing your burden to God, casting all your care upon Him, means that you are willing for Him to not only comfort you from this burden, but also carry you, but take this burden completely. Meaning, He is going to handle it. We might not like the outcome of how He's going to handle it. We may not understand or we may get anxious in waiting for Him to handle it. But in order to truly give something over to God, we have got to let go of that. And Jacob cries out to God for help, but then he turns right around and says, oh, I'm just going to butter up Esau. I'm just going to do what I have to do, and I'm going to bribe him and give him things and so forth. So we see Jacob's burden. And then we come here to Genesis 32, the last part, our main text. We see Jacob's blessing. Jacob figures it best to split up the group. So if Esau comes to avenge him... He can only get half of what he has. He sends his family before him, and now he's alone. And that was real. That was real manly of Jacob, wasn't it? But he's all by himself, and now he's going to wrestle with someone. According to Hosea twelve one through five, and even these verses, the man he wrestled with is none other than Jehovah, the pre-incarnate Christ. He wrestles with God, and he limps away a blessed man, a devoted man. God's man. God not only changes his name, gives him a new name, he gives him a new walk. So here in closing, what is Jacob's turning point? What is Jacob's turning point? How did Jacob turn things around? Number one, there's his company. When he got alone with God. The Bible says in Genesis 32 verse 24, and Jacob was left alone. You need to turn things around? Friend, you need to get alone with God. I'm not just talking about having time by yourself and going through the motions, checking a box, and reading reading from your daily reading. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about getting alone with God. Proverbs 18.1 Through desire a man, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Take your Bible, get alone with God, and pray, Lord, what is it in my heart that shouldn't be there? Search me, O God. Ask God to reveal to you what is it that in your life you need to get rid of. What is it in your life that you need to repent of? Ask God. Get alone with God. Have that time of solitude with the Lord. There was his company. Not only that, there's also his chastisement. Verse number 25. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. He wrestled, Jacob wrestles with the Lord, and the Lord's going to end up crippling him. Bible says, Hebrews 12, verse 6, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Jacob's turning point came when he was chastised, when he was whooped. We can get nowhere as Christians by struggling with God. God had to break Jacob, 
Literally, he had to cripple them. He had to break them. Okay? When we are chastised, that is God dealing with us. That is the the old flesh is still acting out and we are still giving in to sin and we got one foot in the word and one foot in the world. That is not biblical. God does not work that way. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. No man can serve two masters. Friend, if we are trying to live in the world and please God at the same time, we are going to be miserable. And when God chastens us, we need to get alone with him and we need to repent of that and we need to not leave until we have what we need and know that things are right with God. And then last of all, there's not only the company, meaning his alone time with God, his chastisement. Last of all, there's his consecration. Look at verse 26 through 30. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God, and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him, and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Jacob is no longer wrestling here. You've got to understand this. In grappling, in jiu-jitsu, whatever you want to call it, in MMA, there's something called tapping out. And normally when a person taps out, it is because they want whoever has a hold of them, who is choking them out, who has maybe an arm or a leg and is about to break that limb, whatever it may be, they yield, they submit, so that person will let them go. Here is a little different. Jacob, his point of yielding, his point of submission, he's holding on to God. He is grabbing God as tight as he can. There are troubles all around this man. Laban, the world, is behind him. Esau, his flesh is before him. His troubles are all around, and God is right in front of him. And Jacob is not going to let go. Jacob is saying, Lord, you know what's behind me. You know what's ahead of me. You know all the troubles that I'm facing. You know the troubles within my heart. You know the deepest, darkest things in my heart that I don't even understand. Lord, you know all of this. And I refuse to let you go until you give me exactly what I need so I can live my life for you and give you all the honor and glory. That's exactly what Jacob is doing here. Whatever it is in your life that's keeping you from the fellowship with God, friend, give it up. And when I say give it up, I mean give it up, get in this place of surrender by holding on to God. In order to hold on to God the way Jacob is holding on to God, you've got to let go of the world. You gotta let go of your anxieties. You gotta let go of your problems. You gotta let go of your, um, your feuds. You gotta let go of all those things that you're holding on, your self justification. You gotta let all that stuff go and you gotta hang on to God and you say, Lord, I am not letting you go until you give me what I need. And then as the Bible says, as Paul says, we pray without ceasing, meaning we stay in that place of submission. We stay in that place of surrender and we hold on to God as tight as we possibly can in fellowship with him. His name is changed from Jacob, a trickster, 
a deceitful man to Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God, and with men hast thou prevailed. He walked away with a new walk and a new name. Until next time, may the Lord bless you. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Thank you for listening to Preach the Word with Brother Dean Carmichael from Greensboro. You can email Brother Dean, preach the word 87 at Outlook.com. Preach the word 87 at Outlook.com. You also can follow our dear friend Brother Dean Carmichael on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash Dean Carmichael Jr.